Good evening, everyone. This is Rich Duncan with Ink Heist, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host Shane Douglas Keen. Hopefully, he's having a little bit of uh, difficulties. And tonight, we're excited to welcome back Todd Keesling to the show. Um, longtime listeners know that he's been on here quite a few times. I don't think he uh, needs a formal introduction. And we're also excited to have author Anthony Rapino on the show, who is the author of Greetings from Moon Hill, Soundtrack to the End of the World, and various short stories. Welcome, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. Great to be here, my friend. It's been too long. Yeah, yeah. I've been looking forward to this um, pretty much for the past couple weeks once I knew it was on the uh, calendar. It's definitely been too long. And uh, Tony, excited to have you on the show as well. Um, I just read um, Greetings from Moon Hill. I just finished it a couple days ago, oh, and nice. I loved it. I loved it. It was like it was like getting to celebrate Halloween all over again. Beautiful. Uh, I'm glad <laughs> that you enjoyed it. I uh, Yeah, that's when it comes down to the Halloween atmosphere. I always try to inject that here and there. <laughs> yeah. You know, not many people know this, but when you're actually in Tony's presence in person, it's just like there's always like the sun is constantly setting. There are dead leaves that follow him around and just swirl around <laughs> him. Uh, and he, he smells like pumpkin spice. <laughs> it takes it takes a lot of work, I tell you. <laughs> a lot of work. Just put it out there. um and yeah since we since we have you um for the first time tony if you wouldn't mind just give a quick um new kid at school speech just a little bit about yourself and your uh, writing new kid at school speech man if if i was going like realistically new kid at school i would mumble something unintelligible and then hurry to my desk really quick (laughs) that's how it really went down but um, me too (laughs) Uh, yeah, so you have my name in some of the publications. I write horror, um, and I also sculpt on occasion. Uh, I'm kind of a, I'm a serial hobbyist, so I'll, anything that interests me, I'll end up diving into it and playing around with, be it something creative like the writing or the sculpting or something having to do with food science, like brewing beer or fermenting random things I find in my yard. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of covers it for me, I think. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> you you ferment random things in your yeah, that's that was gonna be my follow up too. <laughs> the randomer the better. Wow. Maybe that's a secret. It's not Maybelline. <laughs> uh so you know, I don't know if many people know, but Todd, you helped um put out greetings from Moonhill for uh tony and you did like a forward for him and you guys are pretty good friends so i was just curious you know how did you guys you know first meet each other um and about how long have you guys known each other oh wow uh you know i was i figured you were gonna ask this sort of question and i (laughs) think and i want to say sometime in 2011 uh because it was before my uh, before my second novel was released, because I asked you to blurb it, Tony, and that came out in 2012. Okay. Uh, yeah, Tony's just gonna go along with this because he has a really bad memory. I was I just hoping make shit up sometimes, and he's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I was hoping you were gonna take the reins on this one because 
I'd be damned if I remember how we met. Yeah, it, I want to <laughs> say that I got to know you because of Mary Rajat, because she had done, she was uh, doing that website Bloody Bookish at the time. Mm-hmm. And your book came out about a year before mine. I think the original release of soundtrack to the end of the world. Right. And uh, started talking on Twitter, that sort of thing. And yeah, I guess I didn't meet Tony in person until like 2014, something like that. Oh, the opium party. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there wasn't much, you know, talking involved. We were usually just, you know, kind of unconscious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, party in, in quotation marks. Yeah. No, like Tony only lives like uh, like two and a half hours from me. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. I've done a couple of day trips just to go hang out with him. And uh, last time I was up there was um, when we actually were doing the shooting footage for the uh, Kickstarter video for Moon Hill. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And then the last time I was at your place was when we were putting the, uh, the packages together for the Moon Hill stuff. Yeah. I mean, was, we see each other all the time over at the Mahoning at the drive-in. Yeah. And uh, we've been doing, ever since the pandemic started, we've been doing, like normally this time on a Saturday, we'd all be on a Zoom call watching a movie on, on Amazon together. Hmm. So. Now, remind me. The first time we met in person, was that the Ghostbusters? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was the 25th uh, anniversary release. So they they re-released Ghostbusters in theaters, and the closest theater where it was showing to me was in, you know, Tony's hometown. So uh I got in touch with him and we decided to to meet up and hang out and after the movie hung out at uh what's the name of that place by the railroad tracks? Oh, uh trackside. Oh, clever. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, good food. Um ended up hanging out there till like god, it was late. <clears throat> and um yeah, I mean, then he he got me into uh, he got me involved with uh, in ear entertainment in 2013. That was actually my first ever anthology. Um, was you in have that written with, uh, down. What are, you, what are you what are you referencing right now that you're giving out dates and everything? This is <laughs> oh, I kept I kept a list. I wrote down every important event. Yeah. Uh, Cause, yeah, because that's Tony's how I met Mercedes. And uh, then I got introduced to Eric Pruitt, you know, around the same kind of time frame. We were all on this uh, online show called Book Chatter. And we decided to kind of do our own thing, which became the Geeky Writers Conversations, you know, every few months. And Man, yeah, we haven't done that in a long time. Yeah, since... Uh, was it 20, 2016? StokerCon? Uh, 2017. It was 2017. Was our last one one of the Halloween ones, maybe? No, no, no. It was the one where Mercedes and Amelia were at, were with Richard Thomas and Dino Parente, and they were all on camera. 
they were hanging out at StokerCon. Right, right, right. So there's uh, your <laughs> annotated history of Tony and Todd's friendship. <laughs> annotated and abbreviated. He left out all of the drugs. All, I mean, all the fun stuff. <laughs> no, that's... I mean, Talking to Tony sometimes feels like you're on drugs, but <laughs> it's true. I have, I have a problem with the truth as well. So, <laughs> no, that and you know that's really cool that you guys have known each other for that long. It seems like you know you're great friends. It's kind of funny, um, Todd, because the way you kind of described how you guys first met, it's not really dissimilar from you know how Shane and I met. Only I still haven't met Shane in person, and I've known him for like seven years. Well, that's because he lives on the other side of the <laughs> yeah. world. He does. <laughs> he does. <laughs> uh, but like up um, the mountain somewhere doing the Ted Kaczynski thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he always gives me a hard time because I'll be like, oh yeah, you know, I scheduled the show for you know this date at nine he's like do you mean six (laughs) o'clock but um you know it you know it's cool just to see the kind of friendship you guys have and it's cool to have you guys both on here at the same time um and one thing i wanted to ask it's a question for um both you i don't know if you you can go first if you want tony but um you know you both have built very intricate detailed worlds um you know you have moon hill um todd you had done you know the monochrome and you know um the series you're going to be re-releasing with bloodshot and also kind of the interconnected stuff you've done with devil's creek and i was just curious you know what are what is your guys process for that and do you have any tips for someone who wants to kind of make you know a large mythology like that uh, go, go ahead, Tony. <laughs> my, advice, my advice is, well, first, I just want to, I want to, more than anything else, I'm reminding Todd that the monochrome and Moon Hill do exist in the same universe, and we're going to have to get that on paper one of these days. One of these days, man. That's a, that's a, something that doesn't actually exist on paper yet, but we've talked about in the past that, uh, we would have to do a crossover somehow. We don't know how the hell that would work. It probably won't, but um, <laughs> that's the fun of it's nice uh, the, to believe. That's the fun of these mythologies. You know, it's uh, mm-hmm. a little interesting. So when you're reading um, Moon Moon Hill, Greenish from Moon Hill, uh, that map that's in there, um, I forget if it's like in the front pages or, or somewhere within. That was um, <clears throat> based on like a very messy sketch that I did as I was writing the stories. Um, I think I, I first conceived of the town when I was um, writing the novella that comes at the end of the collection, uh, Reality Engineers. So, okay, like the confession is that I didn't know Moon Hill existed until most of that stuff was written. Um, most of the short stories. So it was one of those things that like I kept coming back to this interconnected uh town the things that are happening around it or in it um and it wasn't until you know i guess when when todd really came into the picture i originally published greetings from moon hill as uh welcome to moon hill and it was just this 
you know, small ebook that I did with really it was an excuse to get some of my short stories out while I was waiting for soundtrack to get published. And um, with Todd's encouragement and, you know, it was really mostly Todd's encouragement that got me to revisit that collection, polish it up, add new stories, add more mythology, add more interconnection, you know, all the stuff within that collection that you read, like the notes from Graham Darby's desk and the uh, book ended story, the topsy turvy man, uh, all that stuff was new for that, for the new collection. So, it's hard for me to answer the question because I have no process whatsoever. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like sit down and tell myself, you know, oh, I want to, I want to create this town and all of these stories that interconnect and a mythology that, that builds from it. It was really just something that after I had already written what, like 50, 60% of the stuff that I realized, Hey, this could all exist in the same place. And then I started tweaking things and kind of making it work, putting the puzzle pieces together. Todd took the sketch of, of the town and created the map that's in the book. So that's actually Todd's artwork um, in the book. And um, yeah, I forgot most of what your questions were, but I, I think I answered <laughs> no. like a, a yeah, yeah, you Yeah, you did. And that that's one of my signature things is I'll ask somebody a question on the show and it's like nine questions wrapped up in the one but you, you hit pretty much all of it and you know that that's pretty cool and um you know valid that you know there's a lot of people who don't have you know plans like that and they notice it after and they're able to kind of connect it you know after the fact but you wouldn't be able to tell you know from reading it like it all seems very seamless well there was a lot of backtracking i mean uh, you know when we went back to that to create what would eventually become greetings from moon hill at that point we you know i had known for a while that the town existed and most of what we created for that book was all about either fitting the pieces together a little more snugly or creating new elements that would enhance the experience in some way um, the new novel that I'm, uh, well, it's already written, it's edited, and it's currently submitted at a publisher. And I should probably, if I wanted to come out anytime soon, I should probably submit to more than one at a time. But <laughs> it's it's uh, called The Precipice of Nowhere. And without giving too much away, that builds on mythology a bit. Awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to check that out. And uh, how about you, Todd? Um, I know you've done this quite a bit, like I said now, with, uh, you know, the monochrome and then also, you know, kind of weaving in little Easter eggs with like Devil's Creek and things like that. Yeah. Uh, my advice would be not to do it. It's a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'll just try to mirror Tony's answer, which was surprisingly pretty good <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> um, so I, I look at i look at the monochrome trilogy and i look at what i'm doing with the the stafford universe which is what i'm you know devil's creek's part of that um you know uh, other stories short shorter stories that are out there right now in various anthologies also tie in to that that universe that sandbox i think of it as a sandbox because you know i can easily set something there and play around with you know different 
the lives of different people in that context, like creating, honestly, creating the town of Stafford was not difficult because it is almost identical to Corbin, Kentucky, where I grew up. So I had intimate knowledge of the history, the, you know, the main thoroughfares and the side roads and everything. And, you know, I, I have built everything upon that. And I've kind of, now that Devil's Creek is out in the world and I kind of have a better understanding of the universe that in which it exists, you know, I now have an easier time of putting other pieces into it. I, I like to think of it also as kind of like when you're putting together a puzzle, you always want that outer edge first, you know, mm-hmm. and they, that creates the context for the rest of the picture. So I kind of look at Devil's Creek as that border. Uh, so I've created this place. I've created this alternate version of Kentucky where, or you know, where all of this Eldritch shit is going down. And uh, you know, I, when you look at the monochrome books, I mean, that was I look at that as young Todd, inexperienced Todd, because. <laughs> uh, <laughs> A Life Transparent, the first book, was meant to be a standalone, and then a few years later, I decided to write a sequel because I had an idea that would work. And then, you know, eight years after that, I finally finished the third novel to bring it to a close. And, you know, there in the original draft of Devil's Creek, there's actually a nod to the main character, uh, Donovan Candle, and I took it out during the subsequent edits because I just didn't want to go through the effort of trying to connect those because I have no fucking idea how that would even work. Um, (laughs) So uh, that's a good segue though, because speaking of having no idea how it fucking works, Shane has arrived. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm still DOA here. Oh, Shane, I miss you. Okay, so uh, that's you know that's kind of my long-winded answer to a relatively short question. I mean, for the writers out there who may be listening, uh, if you're looking to do that sort of thing, I would say kind of establish your you know the universe in which you want to write. I'm not saying like do an entire like Bible or something. Uh, Jesus, I didn't fucking do that. I'm too late. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it does... If you have an, a scope in mind of what you want to do, um, I'd say just uh, hit the ground running with, you know, your your first story and then kind of build from that. You know, look at the world building, look at the ramifications of what happens in that story, how it would manifest in other ways and other stories and... You know, voila, you've got a interconnected world. Are you actually yeah. building that world, Todd? The uh, Stafford universe? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, and this is kind of speaks to my laziness when it comes to this sort of thing. Um, like, take Scanlines, for example. That's actually a Stafford story. It just takes place at a different time. Uh, it's set in the 90s. Uh, so 
it kind of deals with Stafford. It deals with the the neighboring town, Briarsburg. And I had no idea that's, that Scanlines was even taking place in that town until it popped up in the story. And I'm like, oh, cool. So then once I realized that's where it's set, because in, in actuality, I can set anything there now because I know I already I've already done the hard work in terms of like building that place. Mm-hmm. So it's not that much. It's not that difficult to set a story there or set a story in that universe that links in. Um, Cause I already have a pretty intimate understanding of how it all works. Uh, but I mean, for further, for future stuff and certain things I'm working on now. Uh, yeah. Here and there. Uh, it does all kind of, you know, stuff gets thrown in. Um, pretty much any story I'm setting in the South is going <laughs> to tie into that, that world. That's so. interesting. I mean, I love those moments when you just like realize something. I'm kind of giving something away by saying this, but I, I don't know that anyone would remember by the time it comes out anyway. But um, when I was writing The Precipice of Nowhere, that was not connected to any of my other work at all until it was. Yeah. And it was like 20, 30,000 words in, maybe more, when I said, oh, shit. And, and <laughs> it just it hit me. I was like, crap, now I got to do it. I got to freaking do it. Yeah. And I, I started drawing the lines that weren't there. And yeah. That's a great feeling, though. It, it suddenly provides context to this mess of chaos that you're trying to organize into something that's, you know, legible. And when that moment hits, everything just kind of fits together and you realize the importance of the story in that grand scheme. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, just hearing you guys talk about that, it's, it's really interesting. Like that's one of the things that I've always been fascinated by, um, you know, as a reader, you know, like how Stephen King, how all of his stuff ties together and, you know, various other writers. Like I've always loved that sort of like interconnectedness, whether it be, you know, kind of a bigger thing, like linking, you know, actual stories or novels, or even if it's just little Easter eggs, you know, like maybe just a passing, you know, character, like he just Mm -hmm. appears for a couple seconds or something like that. Um, Is there, do you guys have any particular favorites, Um, whether it be like linked mythology like that from a writer or even just like a favorite uh, Easter egg? Uh, Stephen King, of course. I mean, mm-hmm. his Castle Rock stories, um, the the expanded stories that he did that tie into Salem's Lot, like it's it's history, and then they're like the one that's uh I forget what it's titled, but it's about the guy. I think he's like a trucker. They're dry. It's snowing. They're driving into Salem's Lot, or what used to be Salem's Lot. Uh. You know, that that was kind of I mean, that was my main inspiration for you know, everything surrounding Devil's Creek. Um, but I mean, you've also got like um, McDowell's stuff. That's mm-hmm. like that Southern Gothic uh, series that he do- he did. Um, 
you know, those are the first thing that come to mind. Uh, what about you, Tony? Yeah, I mean, not to be too obvious about it, but uh, I think when people think about this kind of stuff, they usually immediately think of King, the Dark Tower series, the way he connected all of that stuff. I remember when I first heard about that, that he was basically explaining or trying to create an explanation of, of why all of these weird things happen in all these other stories and novels and linking them all or many of them to the Dark Tower series. It, it like blew my mind. And the way he can just sort of, you know, have these little Easter eggs and winks and nods throughout all of his novels and stories. And like, only if you read everything, will you get those? There's something very um, appealing about that to me. I do a lot of that kind of stuff, kind of knowing that no one else, no, no one's ever going to notice. But I'll do a lot of that <laughs> kind of winky, naughty sort of stuff for anyone who might. Um, and then... Beyond King, I mean, I want to say, and I'm I'm really kind of digging in my memory a bit here, so if I get something wrong, forgive me, but I want to say, like, Nick Nick Adams' stories from uh, Hemingway. Um, those were, if, if I remember correctly, there was some interconnection there in the, the Nick Adams stories. I may absolutely be getting that wrong. Um, and a little bit with, and again, I... I could be getting this wrong, but I could swear Vonnegut used to do uh, in a couple things. Yeah, Vonnegut yeah. did. Uh, I forget. Uh, was it Kilgore Trout? Mm, yes. Yeah. I remember uh, Breakfast of Champions. And I forget the other one that I read that tied in with that. But yeah, Vonnegut did it. And I just realized I omitted like one of my you know influences, which shame on me, but Lovecraft. I mean... <laughs> Yeah. Everything set in or around Arkham, Massachusetts, Miskatonic University. Uh, it's all in New England and, you know, these odd places and what have you. You know, that's another one. Yeah, and the cool thing about his is, um, you know, that it, other writers have kind of, you know, then taken it and kind of made it their own thing and like set stories there, which I always thought that was pretty cool. I mean, uh, I'm guilty of that. I mean, Devil's Creek is that universe is set adjacent to the Lovecraftian mythos. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I reference Miskatonic and, you know, in Devil's Creek, I reference the Necronomicon and uh, even Block's creation, uh, the. Uh, Divermis Mysteries. I forget how it's pronounced, but um, that's one of Block's creations. <clears throat> Block was a protege of Lovecraft, and you know, I'm guilty of that, just like every other horror writer in existence right now, <laughs> in some way or another. <laughs> they were just kind of talking about that last night on Joe Bob, right? Uh, Jeffrey Combs kind of yeah. the way Lovecraft has permeated. Uh, well, a number of different creative outlets, but, you know, movies and, and novels, obviously. And how, yeah, it just kind of, like, has permeated and, and becomes part of the extended uh, mythos, even though he's not doing it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one thing I wanted to kind of circle back on is, uh, Tony, you had mentioned that, you know, Moon Hill and Todd's monochrome <laughs> are kind of... Uh, related and i was just kind of curious about the backstory on that <laughs> uh, that was i'm sorry that was a little bit more of like an inside joke than anything else 
<laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I think here I'm like, oh, that's cool. You're giving us way too point. much credit, man. <laughs> like we actually sat down and tried to figure this out. No, Todd in a message at one point. <laughs> and I might even be wrong about this. It was the monochrome, right? Or was it Devil's Creek? Uh, I want to say the the one story that I messaged you about because Devil's Creek wasn't a thing at that point. Um, I was gonna basically tie it in uh, in the same universe as my story, The Harbinger, which later on I realized is set in the Devil's Creek universe. So I guess in a way, yes, it's you know exists in the same universe as as devil's creek okay because yeah, i was just... trying i was trying to write that story about the uh, the toy shop mm. that was going to be set in moon hill uh and it was going to have like the the dolls from uh the doll company in the harbinger mm. right and i never finished that because um i realized it was going to be just a rip off of Five Nights at Freddy's, and if it came out now, people would accuse me of ripping off Willy's Wonderland. So, well, everyone, everyone accuses everything of ripping off uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, no matter as long as if there's an animatronic in it, it's ripping off Five Nights at Freddy's. I, mean it. I don't believe that. I'm just saying. I, I, every time I see anything, like when Willy's Wonderland came out, when uh, what was the other one? Did well, the Banana Splits movie, I guess, was initially supposed to be Five Nights at, at Freddy's. I think. And they couldn't get that, make it happen, so they ended up doing banana splits. I, I don't know. I shouldn't be talking about stuff that I'm not sure about. <laughs> I could be making things up again. Then you would never speak. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. But yeah, the um the connection though was more of a. I want to say it's more of like a. Not not necessarily an inside joke, but just like a recurring thing with Todd and I, where I, I guess because we're such close friends and both right. Every once in a while, I'd be like, "Yo, you know, these things can happen in the same place, and we could write the, I, you know, I think we were gonna, um, they were jokingly, we were kind of talking about doing some sort of uh, uh, connected universe story or novel or something. I could swear. I want to say it was a story, and and I'm not sure like how we could really tie those in, but I mean both both stories and universes deal with you know, different realities. So we could probably make that work if we really put in the effort, but let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it'll never actually happen. <laughs> well, I got, I got to give you credit, Tony, because when you had said that, like I, I thought it was way more of a, you know, actual serious thing. That's why I asked. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It, it doesn't, uh, doesn't bother me i've i've asked pretty lame questions before so <laughs> no um, it wasn't a lame question i mean <laughs> you had every right to believe him you know take what he said at face value i mean shit by the time i actually drove up to hang out with him i was afraid i was going to meet like some hobo who lived in a cave and now he's you know he's a hobo who lives in a house so <laughs> he never leaves so <laughs> what they say well i do i mean yeah like no fu- don't 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 uh don't ask any follow-up questions on the uh, drug parties because those don't exist either 
<laughs> no, I, I wasn't going to ask about those ones. <laughs> uh, but um, one thing I want to say to both of you guys is you both have had, um, in the last things that I've read by you both, um, there's been stuff that has, I usually don't get scared very much um, when I'm reading books anymore. Like I enjoy them, but nothing really scares me or anything like that. But in your case, Todd, I've already told you um, on Twitter, um, the yawning from the monochrome series, those things, I don't know what it was about it, but I was reading that book. And, um, you know, after I read about them, like I went to bed and then like a couple hours later, I woke up in the middle of the night after I had a nightmare about them. I had to go to sleep with the TV on. That's, <laughs> that's like the the biggest compliment man thank you <laughs> yeah that's yeah, awesome. no problem the are great yeah and uh, agree. those things are crazy yeah they they were they still creep me out and tony you had um you had a couple good ones um the one is the pumpkin monster um from the story halloween on the hill All like right. when um when that kind of came about, I loved that. I thought that was such a cool idea. And again, like I said, I'm a sucker for all things like Halloween, and I really like that scene. Awesome. I appreciate that. That actually exists in, in uh, as a sculpture. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I know it, the, none of your listeners can see it, but if you want to see it afterwards, I could show you. Uh, the, uh, yeah, that'd be cool. The pumpkin god idol. That was yeah. one of the things that we um, I sculpted out for the um, the Moon Hill release. The pumpkin god is awesome, and mm-hmm. there are so many great stories in that collection. Uh, From your mm-hmm. body, they rise is one of my all-time favorites. With the guy finds the uh, hallucinogenic fungus growing out of the corpse of a dead deer, and he's like a botanist, and he's exploring its different properties. Yeah. yeah. I love that story. And um, what's the other one? I mean, Reality Engineers, of course. Mm-hmm. I That that story is batshit insane in the best way. <laughs> I have yeah. a lot of fun with that one. It's like there is just, I mean, there's something that it, it just goes to the heart of what I do, entitling a chapter uh, pissing off of balconies. wait you guys fucking started without me what the i know right (laughs) hey shane hey how's it going it's good to hear your voice brother did you come in right on pissing off of balconies yeah he did (laughs) (laughs) well uh doesn't the the first line of um soundtrack to the end of the world go something like the the apartment hallway smelled like shit (laughs) (laughs) that is that is uh yeah that is exactly how that book starts it's a a memorable line yes yes (laughs) yeah you know i i i was young enough at the time to to have like really wanted to uh shit all over the the old saying that the first line is the most important of a of anything so (laughs) that was where that was why i did that I mean, it's it's a great filter for people who might be on the fence about the book. I mean, right. they read that and they're like, nope. No way. <laughs> Not for me. 
Yeah, it was a commentary on the novel itself too. I think I was like, I don't want anyone to get, I don't want anyone to start reading this thinking it's going to be something it's not. So and, and I, so I hate to hear you disparage shit. that book because it is so fucking good. It, I mean, I, I loved it. Um, I, I wrote the intro for the re-release, and I don't, you know, do that lightly. Uh, it was an honor to be asked to do that. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan of zombie fictions precisely because it is, to me, it's kind of stale. I feel like, you know, Romero's commentary on the uh, the zombie genre is, you know, the first and last word. No offense to Brian Keene. Cool guy. I haven't read your stuff, man. Uh, Fuck no that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, Brian. Uh, but Tony's book, you know completely blew me away because it was not the typical zombie novel and you know i would have never thought to take metaphysics and you know new age concepts and be let that be somewhat of a catalyst to a zombie uprising and i just thought it was brilliant um thanks man. so you know that was also one of the reasons why i eventually like drove up to meet him is because I wanted to meet the guy who who wrote this this awesome zombie book. I was just so. sitting here, pardon the interjection, but I was just sitting here listening to you talk and thinking I really miss part of this conversation because who the fuck is Tony? <laughs> <laughs> Don't I mean you're talking about Anthony, so okay. I'm I'm up now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I go by I go by Tony in the real world. Sometimes, he's, yeah. he, sometimes he's the hobo from Moon Hill. <laughs> you know, I tell you, I was really pissed off actually when I uh, finally was. I wrote that novel right before the uh, zombie genre like exploded again. Like that, zombies were not all that popular when I first wrote that. And as I was starting to sort of shop it around is when all that kind of became incredibly popular again. And at first I thought that was a really good thing. And then by time it was published, and this is how quickly uh, fads uh, within, you know, entertainment come and go. By the time that was being published, people were already talking about fatigue, zombie fatigue and <laughs> being tired of zombies. And my novel was coming out I'm like, son of a. It was, I mean, uh, The Walking Dead did not help. I mean, you know, they they killed that horse and it just uh, kept coming yeah. back and it's still coming back and it just yeah. will not die. No not matter how many times dead, they sorry. kill it. Hmm. What, what was that, Shane? I missed I it. I said, I'm sorry, no matter how, how many times they kill it, yeah. it keeps coming back. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah. But but every now and then somebody comes along who does something brilliant with it. Yeah. Mm. I mean, like Tony. Yeah. And I I have tried to I've made it my personal mission to champion his work to everybody else. I mean, shit. How long did I try to get him on this show? <laughs> <laughs> oh, have you been trying to get him on this show? I think so. I must, have, <laughs> I, I must have missed all those episodes. <laughs> <laughs> He's been quietly whispering it to me for a very long time. He, can, he I'm, I'm not 
I don't know. I have a problem getting out there and like really promoting stuff sometimes. And Todd has been on my case for a good long while. He has mentioned this podcast a number of times to me, telling me to just email him, just email him, get on. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll get to it. And I finally, finally did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anytime, man, I'll, I'll send you my personal email after this is over. If you ever want anything that we can assist with, just hit us. Right on. But what I mean is that if you want anything we can assist with, I'll uh, hook up with Rich and let him know that needs to be done as safe, as soon as possible. <laughs> Rich, get on it, man. I try. <laughs> um, and Tony, I, I wanted to ask you real quick, just before I forget. Um, so in mm-hmm. Greetings from Moon Hill, you had... Um, uh, the shadow of flies i think is what it was called it was like an excerpt are you right. did you end up using that stuff or um did I you forgot. kind of like was it just not working out <laughs> i didn't mean to put you on the too. spot i could tell by your expression <laughs> i forgot that existed in print anywhere if i'm being honest um okay so the shadow of flies is like Probably, I think I stopped writing around 60 or 70,000 words. I got really, really close to it being done. And I don't remember what happened, why I stopped writing. I think it was life kind of jumped in, in my path and I, uh, I put it to the side for a while. And with those kinds of things, especially when they are interconnected to larger mythologies, it's really easy to lose the thread. Um and I had stepped away from it for so long that I just couldn't bring myself back to it. And I ended up working on other uh, projects. An interesting thing. Um, so I, I kind of mentioned earlier that I was uh, shopping around my new novel, The Precipice of Nowhere, and how I didn't realize that that was connected to the Moon Hill universe, but it is. And it turned out uh, that it was. And um, what I also realized in writing that was that the action of shadow of flies still does exist in that universe so if precipice ever does get published it's very likely that i'm going to go back to shadow of flies and finish that and get that out there too because there's a lot of a lot of mention of the you know stuff that happens in that unfinished novel i mentioned a lot of that stuff in the new one that i did finish so to really like make those connections work in in the long run i would have to eventually finish that that's cool I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't. You know, it's not something I really talk about much because I, you know, since I am still just shopping around the other novel and I don't know what that's going to look like, um, that may not, you know, that it's very possible that may never come out at all. I, you know, I don't know. So it's all speculation at this point. Not if I have anything to say about it. <laughs> you should read it before you say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair i did some, yeah <laughs> i did some really weird stuff in that novel like i was i was it was the first novel i wrote since uh, or i'm sorry uh soundtrack to the end of the world um i had written a lot of stuff between soundtrack and and precipice but that was the first novel that i finished writing since then um and i was just like really having fun with it <laughs> And playing with all the kinds of stuff that I wanted to play with, be it point of view shifts or just weird, random stuff happening. And for anyone who's read my other stuff, they know that I like weird, random stuff. 
He does. Sorry, my mic was sorry, my mic was muted. Um, it's it's a not an uncommon experience around here. Um, hmm. Usually it's Todd or Rich, though I don't do it that often, um, <laughs> or forget what I'm saying either. I interrupted you, and now I don't remember what I was saying. Uh, I have read some of your work. Um, I would honestly, my memory fucking sucks, and I would have to look up your work to remember what. But I know that I have because when Todd brought up the opening line to that book, I knew it. So right. I was like, okay. Uh, <laughs> I was waiting for him to like. I have read some of your work, and it fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Ta- fucking Keesling's a fucking idiot, man. That's what we would bring him on. <laughs> It's like, um, oh, shit, it was that book that started with mention of crap in the hallway. That's right. <laughs> uh, I'm much more likely to remember a piece that way. So do you remember that movie that started off with the log going right through that guy's face? Oh, yeah, that was great. <laughs> hey, have you seen this movie named? I, not, I, maybe. <laughs> so I have a very visual memory. Anyway, sorry, I'm babbling. I've been drinking while I was trying to fix my computer, and it shows. See, that that's why I was glad that I didn't have liquor with me, because when I was waiting for the podcast to start, because we, cause we <laughs> when we start like 15 minutes late, in that 15 mm. minutes, I would have been like nervously drinking a lot. Which is what <laughs> I was doing. Prior, prior to the podcast, I had not had anything to drink, and then while I was trying to fix my fucking audio, I had... Plenty to drink to catch up with what I had not had yet. <laughs> but I'm a professional, and I'll try to maintain, like I always do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's so good to hang out with you guys again. You too, uh, Tony. Hey, you, you've had your fill of me. We see each other every week. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is, is kind of Tony and my unofficial first meeting, I think. Yes. Um, I know. I I know. We used to interact sometimes on Facebook, like a century ago when I believed in Facebook. But yeah. I'm so, so bad like, at the social media. <laughs> I'm I'm teaching myself to be. I'm finding that it's much more peaceful. Yes. You just happen to forget to go on Twitter for most of your 24 hours each day. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, And what do you guys find about that? Do you find social media gets massively in the way of your fucking productivity? Yeah. Uh, especially this past year um, because social media was kind of like a lifeline for a while. Um, you know, that was really the only way you could interact with people unless you could get them on a zoom call or a Skype call or something. Uh, but you know, I feel like I have been promoting something for the last two years, always. And it's always on social media. And honestly, I am looking forward to having a break where I don't have to really promote anything so I can just work on something quietly Mm. yeah me too <laughs> see that's that's the benefit of not promoting anything like like me like my like soundtrack <laughs> soundtrack to the end of the world the reprint of that came out in october 
This is the I'm first just... real promotion I've done for it, like since it came out. I, I think I may, I probably mentioned it a few times on social media. I suppose. I think I've done more promoting for that book than you have. <laughs> but you know that's kind of the thing with with, with most most authors. Like I have a lot of authors that I support adamantly, um, and most of them suck at fucking marketing their own work. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely fall in that camp. Todd is constantly telling me like up my game. Um, it's it's rough because I feel most of the time I feel like I have a, a static audience and that if I keep posting stuff on my Twitter or Facebook or Instagram that it's the same people seeing it over and over again and just getting like fatigued by my uh, you know going through that over and over and then I start feeling weird and I don't want to like bother people <laughs> so I stop. The the trick though that I found is you know just using the platform for whatever like talking to people posting interesting shit i feel like that stuff has probably led to more book sales than me just posting a link and saying hey guys here's my book please go buy it it's out today right yeah actually interact (laughs) to some degree and also another thing is um uh, sorry go ahead todd i interrupted you but no no I, i was done Okay, I thought you were, but you gave me a funny look, so you're not. You oh, can't see sorry. It. I, was, I was looking at Spotify because something changed. Ignore me, Shane, please. Well, fuck, that felt important too. It'll come back. I also lost my train of thought, Shane. Does that make you feel better? We were, we were oh, we were talking about uh, if you felt like social media got in your oh. way, um, yeah. and. The thing is, is if, like you said, if you use it right, it's a really, really useful tool. Um, you just have to learn how to swim in the deep end where none of the fucking drama kids are hanging out, you know, and yeah. use it, use it as a tool like that. And also, um, a lot of authors don't do this, but if you get a, I'm speaking as a reader, not as a writer. If you get a group of people you know are immensely interested in your work when you're sharing information about your work tag those motherfuckers they don't mind and they will share it yes they will uh you know that that definitely over the last couple years you know for me at least that has been a huge help uh being able to tag some folks that i know are supportive of my work and you know the next thing you know it's you know got legs and it's being shared for like the 30th time by some person you've never heard of and mm-hmm. and you get extremely lucky yeah and you have seven reviewers lie about your books because you're so fucking well known <laughs> <God. laughs> uh, you know i was in a zoom call with tony when i saw that for the first time oh that's amazing yeah <laughs> ruined my night <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous stuff. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, big indie is a problem now. So, you know, there these indie yeah. publishers are out there buying off reviewers left and right. Right. All that money, the author's not getting paid. <laughs> you wouldn't believe the bank I've made off of indie authors. They're suckers. <laughs> I had one guy pay me $200 for a bad review. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that guy i was hoping he wouldn't block me like he did because uh 
I was uh, really enjoying fucking with that guy. He was a barrel of laughs. It's like fuck, <laughs> it's like fucking Joe Bob Briggs without a fucking brain, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry. That was my review. Of, that was my review of the <laughs> podcast that meant so little. I don't know the name of it anymore. <laughs> that was intense. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> yeah. Todd, Todd, told, Todd told me that, and I was I had already I was already about a third into a bottle of Larceny, which makes me um, moody anyway if I drink too much whiskey and. Uh, I just wanted to rage on the guy. So, yeah. <laughs> I did, but I checked the wording twice with Todd before I actually posted it. So. Yeah. <laughs> and then he deleted it. <laughs> Not me, him. <laughs> yeah. He deleted it and blocked my ass. Like, yeah. well, that wasn't fun at all, man. <laughs> so, uh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm having trouble coming up with things to say because I've been out of context with the whole conversation. Oh no, you're fine, man. I don't want to um, re, you know, kick any old dogs or anything. Um, I'm sure you've talked about Stafford by now. So, did you have anything you wanted to ask about Moonhill or Stafford? Uh, well, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that was great. Well, I just, I, I just have noticed that you, Stafford creeps into, is creeping into more stuff of yours. Um, yeah. And you've probably touched on why that is, but I was just curious about it. Uh, the short answer is, is because it's convenient. Yeah. It's, it's easier. I don't have to create a whole new location in existence for it because I've already done that in something else. Boy, so anybody yeah. who's read my work can read this new thing and be like, oh, yeah, I know that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as soon as you say Stafford, everyone goes, oh, boy, this dude's in for some fucking shit. <laughs> it's pretty much how I feel every time I cross into the Kentucky, you know, over the Kentucky border. But. <laughs> Oh, man, you know that for years and years and years, I wouldn't go anywhere in the South because I believed it was all a bunch of toothless crackers with shotguns and no shoes. Uh, (laughs) I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of them, but there's also a lot of good people there who are who are stuck. You know, they can't leave because of whatever reason. And, you know, it seems like very rare that. A lot of the folks that I went to school with ever even left the hometown. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, I thumbed through some of those areas when I was a kid, uh, going to meet the wrong girl in South Carolina. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of depressed areas there then, and I don't know if it's worse now uh, or better, but it was. It's pretty- worse. Uh, meth has pretty much devastated that whole region. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. So, with that little bit of gloom, is everybody happy? (laughs) I am. Shane joins the conversation and starts talking about fucking funerals and shit. (laughs) I mean, usually in, like, group chats and stuff with Tony and uh, 
our other friends, uh, Nikki, Nikki Nelson Hicks and Amelia Bennett and Mercedes Yardley. We usually there's some kind of morbid conversation happening at all times. So Tony's always playing catch up on those. Oh yeah. (laughs) You know, it's become kind of a hobby to read through several tragedies uh, in a row and then try to respond kindly to all of them. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, you know, you'll see a reaction on your post about someone passing away and it's from Tony and it's like, God, Tony, that was like two deaths ago. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> I can't keep up. <laughs> either that, either that or like I'm going into the chat to, to say something completely inane, probably about a body part or some kind of excretion. And I walk in with a big smile, like, oh, they're going to love this. And then I read something, like, very serious. And and then I post what I was going to say anyway. But I do so (laughs) after a moment of reflection. You know, the ones I love and feel so fucking sorry for are the poor fools who come along. And there's someone who says, yeah, I lost my dog, my best friend of 17 years. And someone hits the laugh emoji. You know? Uh, <laughs> oh no. Twitter. Yeah. Always <laughs> yeah. was at least one of them. Yeah. It, you know, and then you you're kind of well, is that an accident or are you really that kind of dick because I thought you were my friend. <laughs> I mean, I'm I've lived long enough to yeah. not have the capacity to believe that that was an accident anymore. I'm yeah. I'm very cynical. I don't I don't that would be, be that would be wonderful if you could like sit back like oh they just that was nothing that was it but then they probably will follow up with some awful comment too and then that'll kind of they'll settle it for you. When it comes and to faith, it's and... called emoji. It's called emoji paranoia. Sorry, Todd. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I was gonna say when it comes to faith in humanity, uh, Tony gives me a run for my money when it comes to my cynicism. Uh, definitely yeah. one of the most cynical people I've ever met, and awesome, I mean that awesome. as a compliment. Thank you. You guys will you, you guys will get there. Both of you will eventually. Tony's pretty good at it though. I, I, I enjoy <laughs> I enjoy having the hope. I hate every motherfucker on the planet except for three, and they listen to this show, and that's the only reason why. Uh, two now. I just don't subscribe. <laughs> it's two now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm not that much of a cynic, really. I pretend like I am, but um. So tell me something new that you haven't told anybody so far on the show, Tony. I don't know anything about you except that now that I'm looking, I read Rot With You or Rot With Me. Oh, okay. That yeah. one was in that was in one of uh, Troy Blackford's. Yeah. Things, yeah, right? the yeah. Sleep. Uh, yeah, that was it. It was Robbed one of a sleep. couple of them. That story was like that was based on some real real a real relationship i had that was probably the closest to me being real in, in fiction that i've ever like i mean not that i draw you know all all writers draw off like real experiences but that one was probably the closest to me getting the like, venom out of my veins um that that one needed to be written um I, so, go ahead no what were you say? no i was just gonna say i am the authors who can um write that way 
so autobiographical, you know, like, um, I mean, some people can be really, really brutally honest, but, um, I tried it and I, I was sucking at it. And then last night I told a bunch of lies in the book I'm working on. Now it's going great. So, you know, <laughs> it's, it's my, a give and take, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bread and butter. The lies. Yeah. Um, kind of, you know, you kind of fill in the, the cracks with the lies to make the, you know, the truth a little bit more palatable for readers because they won't believe it otherwise. Mm. Well, sorry, what was the question? There was a question, wasn't there? Yeah, I just uh, I said, tell me something about yourself that uh, you haven't mentioned yet. Oh, so oh uh, something we haven't mentioned in this one. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you guys already know, but I'll, I'll plug it again anyway, just so I could talk about Todd's work one more time. But the um, <laughs> the Devil's Creek Idol. I don't know if they're aware of that. Oh, Remember? yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I sculpted that based on his uh, sketch for the novel. We didn't really talk about that. Uh, I'm working on the what I'm working on right now is, well, it's it's outside the purview of, of horror of a horror podcast probably, but I was contracted to ghostwrite a novel, um, which I guess is I would I would categorize it as like a coming of age dark fantasy that's set in the 1980s, so it has a lot of like um, you know nostalgia going for it. Um, that one I can talk about it. I'm allowed to talk about it because um, my name will be on it, even though it's a ghostwriting project. Uh, it's called Tommy and the Order of the Cosmic Champions, and yeah. it's um, got a lot of interesting stuff going for it. So the uh, the guy I'm working with came up with the basic story, and then I'm just I'm writing the novel based on his um, synopsis essentially. Um, but the cool thing about it, so I'm I'm just writing the novel, but this guy um, Anthony Great, he is really like putting a ton of work into the other aspects of I suppose you could call it promotion but he, it goes so far beyond promotion I it's hard for me it's hard for me to wrap my head around what he's doing he's created a web page for it he's commissioned art from like four or five different artists including 3d renderings of a lot of the characters and uh, paintings and all kinds of stuff he's creating action figures uh, which he already has prototypes for <clears throat> the the action figure stuff is because um, the main character, Tommy, is essentially obsessed with this cartoon called Order of the Cosmic Champions, which is, if you want, like, a point of reference, a lot like Masters of the Universe. So he's creating all the figures for the Cosmic Champion characters and um, has all this artwork and all the stuff that he did for it. It's a pretty, he essentially created an entire mythology <clears throat> and backstory for the cartoon, which comes up in the novel, but is also kind of separate from it. But that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. It, it's it's amazing some of the work that this guy is putting into it. <laughs> I've seen some of the uh, the concepts for the action figures, and it's mind blowing. Wow! If that's... you want to check it out, the webpage is orderofcosmicchampions.com. Uh, you can see pretty much all the stuff he's been working on. He he posts about. He even kind of mocked up a cover for the novel already, even though I'm still writing it. But, uh, yeah, that 
that sounds really cool. How did you uh how did you happen to get involved with that? Like um did you know him or did he just read your work? He it, he runs a bunch of retro websites. Um the one that I was familiar with was um retrodays.com. Um I think there's a dash between retro and days. But I used to write or I still do on occasion. I'll write like little articles and stuff for the webpage and um you know, I, I forget. Oh, I sent him. I sent him my book, uh, soundtrack to the end of the world. I sent him a copy as a thank you because this guy like does a lot of stuff for the community, and um, he started reading it and dug it and kind of floated the ideas. Just brought it up one day. He's like, you know, I have a lot of story ideas, but I can't write the novel. Um, would you want to? Would you be interested in, you know, partnering up on something? And uh, he gave me a couple of the stories that he had and. Of the ones that he mentioned, this one sounded like the one I could really sink my teeth into because it's got um, not only a, a, this, this, I can just kind of picture myself as a kid in the 80s doing something like this, but there is a lot of that, that nostalgia uh, factor that I am huge into. So I, we went with that one, yeah, and it just kind of like grew from there. Yeah. Uh, uh, he's... Uh, he's got some really, really fucking cool shit going on on that website, you guys. You should all look it up, orderofcosmicchampions.com. This is amazing shit. I'm glad you told me about this. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, he's really put – I mean, and it's crazy because I – you know, I'm just writing the novel. Everything else you're seeing here was Anthony Grace's work. <laughs> I love the, uh, I love the um, anagrams of the names. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I won't use too many because I don't want to give anything away too much. But uh, the one that popped right off of the page was the Skogrol Galaxy. Um, right. And anybody who's watched He-Man knows that that <laughs> comes around to Grayskull. <laughs> yeah, if you go to, um, <clears throat> what is it, under more on the webpage, what is OOCC, he essentially talks about like the inspiration and where the idea came from. And it has a lot to do with, um, back in the, in 85, there was a create a character contest that the uh, Mattel held. And the guy I'm working with submitted a design to that. And so did I imagine tons of other kids at the time. And um, that's kind of like where the inspiration came from. So there was this character, Fearless Photog, that was chosen as the winning design, uh, which was not... Uh, Anthony's uh, character, but that's what you know. This all kind of draws from is that a lot of '80s and Masters of the Universe uh, coming of age kinds of stuff. Hmm. And yeah, of course, um, of course, being a horror writer, I can't help myself. And so I was talking to Todd about this. It's not a horror novel, but I find myself writing scenes here and there that are would find you know, uh, perfectly, you know, be, be perfectly happy in any horror novel. <laughs> I can see how you can re even, mm -hmm. even when I write poetry that I just configure uh, that I just consider like, you know, poetry or I hate the word literary, so I won't say that, but, um, there's always something mm -hmm. in there that would just fit, fit just fine in one of Todd's novels, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but I bet it was a 
hell of a lot of fun to write that thing, huh? Or is it a lot of fun to write on it? Write it? Yeah. It's the most collaborative thing I've done in a very long time. Um, we set up, like, a little Discord channel for it, and he'll, every once in a while, he'll kind of shoot an idea over to me, and I'll bounce things off of him. And honestly, like, I can't tell you how incredible it is to be writing a novel and have someone just, like, throwing artwork at you for oh, yeah. what you're working on. And you're, like, you know, it's just constant inspiration. It's crazy. And providing you with visuals, too. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, I struggle with description. It always takes me... I, I can write an entire short story in five hours and spend two days writing a description of a dog. You know? <laughs> <laughs> there um what about you todd what about me i dare i dare dare you to tell us something we don't know already uh keep your pants on (laughs) i mean they're on Uh, i was waiting for him to say he's not wearing pants I thought about it. <laughs> I, I keep waiting for the day one of our guests stands up from their desk on camera. They're <laughs> ass naked to go get a beer or something. Uh, <laughs> something you guys don't know uh, about me, or could it be anything, really? Yeah, anything. Oh, okay. shit. Uh, well, I'm working on a short story... Uh, that I have 14 days left to submit to a private uh, anthology call. And it's about this group of kids, these teenagers, who wake up in this really lavish mansion. Uh, They don't know how they got there. It's very much kind of like a a you know locked room scenario but they basically are trapped in uh someone's nightmare and the nightmare is trying to kill them um it, it it's a lot more involved than that and i'm i'm not really making it sound alluring but uh <laughs> that's kind you of are. a you are fun. actually and um yeah, I've got another thing in the works that I'm I'm calling Night Drive. That was uh, it's kind of funny. I you know I I've been dealing with uh, insomnia since the whole pandemic really started, and you know losing my job and everything last year was also part of it. And so in those you know I, I take medication for it, but there are some nights where I still just can't fall asleep right away. So. I started putting on YouTube videos of old coast to coast AM recordings with Art Bell. And I fell asleep listening to one of them. And I had this dream about this guy listening to, you know, a show like coast to coast and hearing reports of, you know, people calling in and saying that they went through this, you know, this creepy town and there was this guy driving a car really slow and the guy realizes they're talking about him. And 
I haven't really worked it all out from there, but that's another story that is due in 30 days. <laughs> so, and uh, the funny thing is uh, I've been sitting on these for like the better part of a year. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I, I do that too. It's like someone says, Hey man, there's this call. And I go, Oh, that's really cool. And two days later, they're like, do you have an idea yet? Oh no, I've got 30 days. And a day before, I'm sitting there writing my ass off. Yeah. <laughs> I really tried to come up with something for the latest Silver Shamrock uh, anthology, the one about aliens. But yeah, I just am not in that kind of mindset right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I even tried like watching some alien, you know, movies and stuff, and just to try to get into that into that mindset. And nothing was happening. Like I, I rewatched Communion, which is terrifying. Um. What else did I watch? Oh, I watched that uh, that section of uh, the second VHS movie, like the one where the aliens like, you know, the yeah. kids are like hanging out at the house and, you know, these aliens come from under the water and stuff. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. Uh, it is pretty cool. And you're right. Communion is fucking terrifying. Yeah. Even if it, even if it is all a lie. I. I <laughs> yeah, sadly, uh, I. Couldn't I? The last time I saw Communion was, uh, God, I was I wasn't even a teenager yet, and it was just on late night TV one one weekend, and I don't remember it being that scary. But I mean, I was freaked out. You know, I'm 38 years old. I was freak freaking out watching this thing, and just the appearance of some of those, you know, those creatures, right up there with a the fire in the sky. I think. Yeah. That one I've, I've watched recently, again, Fire in the Sky. I, I can't remember. I know I've seen Communion, but I do not remember it very well. Um, it's got I'm going to have to revisit Walker. that now. Yeah, I think I rented it on Amazon. It was like two ninety nine or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that those are both great alien movies. Like I've always been obsessed with that stuff. And I actually just read the book Communion for the first time and... Uh, it, yeah, it's definitely uh, definitely some nightmares from that one, too. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I realized I really just skirted the question, Shane, and went right into promo mode, and I'm sorry for that. Uh, I do have something that I can share. Uh, so my wife and I have been trying to, like, revamp our backyard a little bit and do more landscaping because we were both, like, in horrible pits of depression last summer and didn't do anything. So we uh, were digging out a new flower bed um, recently, and I did tweet about this, and, you know, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but we found a stone slab like six inches below the surface and it's like it's huge and erica pointed out later she's like you know it's about six feet long you know the size of a person and i'm like honey it doesn't make sense where it is and she's like i know but i'm just saying why would they cover up a perfectly good slab and it's too close to the road for it to be like you know, like a, a septic tank or something, and it's not deep enough. Um, so we weren't really sure what it was, and you know, we're trying to like dig it out, and it's not going anywhere. This thing's huge. Um, 
And it's also got an open cavern underneath it because all the dirt we were digging up was getting sucked back down underneath the slab. Uh, so immediately I'm thinking of Rawhead Rex. <laughs> That's exactly what just went into my head. <laughs> yeah, like uh, the, I, I am imagining, okay, we're going to awaken some, you know, primeval god. And he's next thing you know, he's going to be pissing on the townspeople and nobody wants that. So, uh, you know, so we basically looked at each other and we're just like, nope. And then we covered it back up, put a nice shrub on top of it. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that's something that happened. That's some of the weird shit that happens in my life that, you know, occasionally I'll talk about publicly. Um, yeah. Uh, and then I, I tweeted about it and people called me a coward because I didn't dig it up. I'm like, you fucking come here and dig it up. I get a kick out of Erica jumping right to the conclusion. Do you see how long that thing is? Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, that's <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, that's something else I could share. So now you, that's a thing, you know, I mean, Top that Tony. <laughs> Top it. That's why you survived the horror movie because you had the, the wherewithal to cover it back up. No, yep. dude, dude, I fucking I I would die in a horror film, much like that uh, that girl in Final Destination, where she's fucking arguing with everybody and she just backs into the street and a bus hits her. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that scene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so was that that was really what the question was supposed to be? Because I went straight into promo mode too and just talked about writing. Yeah. I, no, with you, know. I just said, tell me something I don't know, because, you know, I just put Todd on the spot, because it's Todd, and I fucking love doing that shit. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do have a, if you do have a yeah. story you want to share, Tony, by all means. Yes, please. I honestly have nothing for you. I, uh, <laughs> and it's, it's really sad, isn't it? That's a, that's like life right now is so uh, mm-hmm. routine every day everything is just the same so often right now that man yeah i really have nothing honestly that i'm right there with you man like it's basically the same thing every day you know i yeah up, i have coffee i yeah. either do some kind of client work design work or i work in my yard and then next thing i know it's it's late and you know i'll think about writing and then go to sleep (laughs) (laughs) my big news for the week is like when i get in the car if i got in the car this week big news man gotta tell everyone about it i actually got in my car i started it too. <laughs> hey, it's a good idea because you know I had to buy a new battery for my car because it fucking died. Oh, like, that happened to my brother sat, too. It sat for so long that you know it died. I had it couldn't I couldn't jump it or anything. It was dead, dead. Yeah, yeah, that happened to Mike, my brother, because um, he let his car sit too long, pandemic life and all that, and uh, the battery just died. Yeah. So I've been trying to at least like fire up my car once a week. <laughs> I don't have that issue. I don't even have a bicycle. Like, I thought you were gonna be like, I don't even have legs. Well, 
not not as you would classify them, but they were. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm picturing all kinds of weird stuff. I, I am. I am. Yeah. Like, how many toothpicks did you have to bind together? <laughs> well, it was actually it's actually clothes pins and rubber bands, but whatever, dude. Okay. <laughs> toothpicks are not efficient at all. I tried it. Wow. Yeah. That wasn't funny at all. No. <laughs> I love, but our self-deprecation is rather entertaining. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm so good at self-deprecation. That's like one of my top tier uh, personality traits. That just everyone. Yeah, I'm good at it. Uh, to the to point, the, to, to the point that I've pissed people off. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think it was Laurel who just went off on me on a podcast one time. She was doing it jokingly, but I have had people get mad at me. Or, ah. So, hey, this is really good. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I'm kind of a, yeah, I do that too. I think people are like, oh, I love this story or I love this book. And I'm like, it's all right. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> In fact, I was even gonna—I was even gonna put Rich on the spot and ask him what his least favorite story in Greetings from Moon Hill was, because I find that to be a super interesting question is to ask people what, the, like, Todd, you should do it too. Ask them what the, out of everything that they've read of your work, what did they least like? What is the the thing that they didn't like okay. at all? Well, you asked Rich first, so let's re- let let Rich answer <laughs> about your collection, and then I yeah. will ask. Yeah, that seems pretty uh seems pretty brutal to do. Uh but um I'm trying to think. Um because like I didn't write down like all the story titles, so I would probably I would probably not remember like the actual story titles, but I, if I had to guess the only it, and it's not that I didn't like Boy, it. it Rich, was, Rich is dancing backwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, everyone everyone knows that like I try and be like as kind as possible. So this is really hard for me. <laughs> this is what uh, not every yeah. story is going to land for someone. Right. That's well, just that's, you know how we are as people. Yeah. Um. It's. Uh, well, I still like this one, but if I had to pick one, it was the one with the guy that had, uh, and sorry for anyone that is going to read this and if it spoils it, but the guy that had um, the coffee guy with his ah. veins. Right on. Just, just I because... love that story. <laughs> I, <laughs> like I said, I liked it, but it just seemed like, I don't know, it seemed a little bit too different. Like oh, it seemed the, like... other stories you mean? Yeah, and just because it was like, you know, greetings from Moon Hill, like, I feel like that, like, I don't know, like, since it didn't really touch on, like, some of the other aspects that, you know, pop up in some of the other stories, like, it could have just been any kind of story. Like, I still liked it, but it didn't, it wasn't necessarily, like, relating to, like, Moon Hill, whereas some of the other stories, like, it'll call back to characters or, you know, items or things like that. Right on. Good notes. I'll accept that. It's, that it's, was very hard for me. <laughs> I, you know what? I can, I can do it writing, but like when I'm actually talking to somebody, like that's a whole nother ball. And game. it's also <laughs> compounded because 
You've got Tony's face right there. That's what I mean, yeah. That's what makes it so hard. Like, if I was just writing a review, it wouldn't be that hard. But, like, seeing his face, yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be rough. (laughs) I was waiting for Rich to start crying. (laughs) Yeah. I always always find that to be an interesting question because reviewers will always – well, most most reviewers will focus on, like, the stuff that they like the most, especially in collections, yeah. But like Mm -hmm. Tom said, you know, it's rare to read a collection and be like, I loved every single story in that collection. Yeah, Um, yeah, I can't think of – really any maybe maybe one um i can't think of a single one in in all of the books of blood that i didn't love but otherwise 100 percent, i never have let's see I'm trying to think last collection like i don't i don't read collections like you know all the way through i'll read a couple of stories and then set them aside and go read something else and i'll come back to them sometimes over the course of years it took me forever to finish like uh, skeleton crew for example so i can't really say off the top of my head one story actually i do i can think of one uh stephen king's uh bizarre bad dreams oh yeah there's that story where the rich guy hires that woman to hit a kid in the face, mm. which mm-hmm. at face value just <laughs> sounds hilarious. <laughs> because, I mean, if I saw that in public, I'd probably laugh my ass off, too, if, especially if the kid deserved it. But the thing is, that the kid doesn't. And it's a young kid. Mm. And that story just made me feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing at the fact that you told us told us about hitting a kid in the face and segued to at face value. <laughs> <laughs> that was not a conscious thing either. Uh, anyway, so I'm gonna uh, mirror Tony's question, gentlemen. Which of my stories did you like the least? Mm? Mm. Um, the Smile Factory. Okay. And and not because it was bad, just because I didn't expect it, I think, more than anything. Because I had the, all, only read, uh, what is it, The Devil's Reconciliation? The Final Reconciliation. Final, yeah, yeah, sorry, my memory sucks. Okay. That is, that's the only thing I had read by you prior to reading The Smile Factory, and The Smile Factory I need to read again, because it kind of knocked me, knocked me back a step. It wasn't totally unexpected, you know, so. Okay. Like That's I say, fair. if some if someone asked me, would you recommend it? Fuck yeah, it's great writing. It's a fucking great book. It's just not my favorite. Okay. Thank you for your candidness. You're welcome. I, I'm nowhere near as di- I don't find that near as difficult as Rich does. I <laughs> Shane whips out a list. He's like, well, should I start at the top? Yeah. Well, you fumbled the intro for this one. You fucked up the landing on this one. Right. I hated this character. I hated this character. You know, like uh, Ed Lauren did a, a video review of the Final Reconciliation, and he did not care for it all that much. And I, I thought that was that was cool. Yeah. Because usually it seems like it seems like more often than not, 
you'll get no review at all instead of getting something that's actually critical. Like, of course, you're going to have like your one and two stars and stuff that don't really say why. I'm more interested in what doesn't work because I want to improve. You know, sometimes is it something I can improve on or is it just that the story just didn't sit well? And I can't do anything about that. Um, I will always tell an author, but first I'll ask them if they want me to. That's appreciated, I think. Because uh, yeah. you definitely have to be in the right mindset to mm-hmm. take that kind of criticism. Um, it's the ones where like people walk up to you and are like, I read this and I hated it. Like, well, yeah. congratulations. <laughs> I'm looking at your face and I hate it. <laughs> Sorry, I have to apologize. I don't know why it happened. I don't know if it picked up on the mic or not, but the Alexa device sitting next to me just started talking for no reason. <laughs> Mind so I had to lower it really quick. I don't know if that got picked up. It's like that one time okay. last year where mine just woke up and gave me the definition of godless like it was fucking mocking me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, tell you a secret. I'll tell you a secret about that uh, monster you've got sitting next to you there, Tony. Um if she really, really, really pisses you off and you tell her to fuck off, she turns off. Nice. Yeah. I, I, noticed you, I, noticed, I noticed you call it she, which is disturbing. Yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I call my dog dad, so, you know, we all do things differently. Okay. <laughs> I, I kind of need to know the background on that. <laughs> you can't just sure put does. that out there and not follow up on it. <laughs> I so certainly can. <laughs> okay. I, don't, I don't really call my dog dad. I call my wife mom. So go away and leave me alone. Well, that's, that's <laughs> mean. Mike Pence does the same thing, Shane. Is <laughs> said oh I, I hope nobody picked that up and i thought oh god is he smoking weed too because i forgot to be there. I was doing that. <laughs> i don't think it's a secret that you smoke weed shane Me? Oh. no but i try to be polite and not you know like the bongo <laughs> 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 although now that i thought of it Wait till someone's right in the middle of a comment and start hitting the bong. (laughs) (laughs) Huge bong rip. I feel like that would be a a great way to kind of interrupt your own question. Like start asking a question and then partner and then come back to the question. So I was wondering, what do you think about Stephen King's... (laughs) Precisely. Or what would be even better is you start to ask the question, take the bong hit, and then completely ask a different question than you intended in the first place. But that just seems more realistic, too. Yeah. Yeah. Take the bong hit and then turn around to your wife. I don't know, man. I think it's a wrong number. Click. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I've had too many. 
It's okay. <laughs> I, I totally get it, man. Sometimes the world is too much, and you got to yes. take a step back. <laughs> I'm actually, I think the biggest part of my uh, absent-mindedness today is my doctor just doubled my ADHD medicine, which is a uh, stimulant. So. Oh, wow. It takes a while to get used to that, and I get flighty. Yeah, uh, I've talked to you in, in in the past about you know my my yeah. wife recent diagnosis and everything. Yeah, and, uh, she started to level out on her meds. Fortunately, I think they're working. I thought so, she would. I hope she would. Uh, so between that and the medical marijuana, she's doing yeah. much better. Yeah. And they uh, help. Yeah. They help a lot for for me. I mean, um, for some people, they fuck with their heads really badly. Um, but oh, the I, first the first thing they put her on really fucked her up. Yeah, I don't know what that was, but with me, that they put me on Ritalin and then Adderall, and both of them turned me into a raging monster. Uh she started on the opposite end. She um, wanted stuff that's a non-stimulant yeah. uh, first, and they started her on Wellbutrin of all things. Yeah, they did me too. And that she did not take to that at all. They put me through. They even had me on Xanax for a while. I was like, dude, this is not helping me focus. It's doing wonders for my fucking anxiety, but yeah, it's doing wonders for my fucking motivation too. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey Shane, you gonna work on that uh, that poem? I don't know. Soon. Yeah, <laughs> poem. <laughs> poem i don't write poetry <laughs> actually for those listeners who are not in the know and how could you not be shane actually is a very accomplished poet and i recommend you read his stuff thank you you're welcome sure. there i want i'm hoping that there is an opportunity in the future with my next book or something where i can actually quote one of your poems at the beginning like if the context fits or whatever just yeah, because I I love the way you you know you put those words together and you. you know I am by no means a good poet at all like I can appreciate it but I don't know how the hell you guys do what you do. Um, honestly, and people laugh at me for saying this, but I'm dead serious when I say that I think um, ADHD is a boon to me as a poet. Because it's much easier for me to pay attention to a story that happens in 50 lines of about 100 words, you know, all together. That makes and, sense. You know, and that's what I've honestly found out. Our listeners have heard this several times, but uh, the author Tiffany McDaniel was telling me, you know, with your with your mind the way it is, you should take your scenes and write them out as po- poems and then unfold them. And it fucking works miracles for that's me. That's a great idea. Yeah. I sold my very first story two days later after that, you know. And it's like, just it was the process I needed. So, yeah. Right on. Well done, man. Um, I don't take any credit at all for most of the shit I know right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Except for thing, knowing who to talk to. <laughs> another thing that you guys don't know, one of my very first uh, publications was a poem. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like when I was a senior in college, I 
got a poem uh, picked up by our university literary journal. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's any good. <laughs> it's also called porno. Awesome. <laughs> I remember making fun of Rich because he told me that he was going to watch a movie called Porno after his wife went to sleep, and I had all kinds of fun. Is that the one on Shutter? Yeah. Yeah. That was a fun movie. Was it fun, though? Was it really? I enjoyed it. And, and <laughs> you know you know how I uh, roll when it comes to movies. Okay, so a little bit of background. Tony and I are, like, complete opposites when it comes to our taste in horror films uh tony like likes just the lowbrow <laughs> trashier the better uh you know to to a degree he, he's not as bad as some folks i know who just like go for like the the worst lowest budget stuff and you know just i don't know they i always equate them to like rolling around in it like a dog does when it finds like yeah. you know a dead body just kind of rolls around in it and covers yeah. itself in that stench and like <laughs> I I love that analogy, Rich. We need to get Tim Meyer back on soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's fair. Uh, oh God, you guys should get Frank Edler on sometime. He he like he watches some of that shit and I'm just like I don't know how the fuck you watch this and enjoy it. Like this is. Utter garbage. I don't know if I agree totally with your your assertion though, because I do like a lot of what you I I think I'm just a little bit more accepting of the flaws in lower budget movies. Like I like I I like most of what you like, but I also like stuff that you don't like. You see what I mean? Okay. It's not like I'm cutting cutting off like anything that's done well necessarily. I don't know. I, I. I, I've been watching horror films all my life, and I studied, you know, I I studied uh, film, you know, film criticism a little bit in college, and took film classes in high school, and so you know, I got exposed to a lot of like the more high artistic cinema, you know, film and oh, snob. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I don't know, man. But you know, I can I can enjoy a guilty pleasure, you know, film as well. But you know, I I like A24's movies. I for the most part, I didn't like It Comes at Night. I thought it was kind of boring. Um, Yeah. I also like Maximum Overdrive. So, yeah. What are you gonna do? I love that movie just because it's so fucking bad. Yeah. It's just hilarious. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and, you know, soda can to the nuts is a bonus. So. Yeah. I've never seen, a, you know, a vending machine that actually shoots horizontally. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, 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 uh, it's funny because, uh, you know, we did that movie night on my Patreon, you know, last yeah. i guess it was last year um but now the drive-in that tony and i go to they're showing it in 35 oh, millimeter i saw your tweet about that, I that fucking you're bought gonna go see it the second i saw that <laughs> <laughs> uh, i totally would have too <laughs> tony's like Absolutely. i'll just buy them at the gate i don't think it's gonna sell out <laughs> <laughs> I, I did end up picking up the tickets though 
Damn right you I, did. Yeah, I suspect you may be correct about that. <laughs> yeah. We'll be like one of like three cars in the lot. Right? <laughs> and one of them will be me and Rich drove all the way there just to catch it. That would be amazing. <laughs> Actually, depending on what part of PA it's in, it might not be terribly far. Uh, Lee Heighton. I know... Uh, I know Hunter Shea's gone there. I know Tommy Clark's gone there. Um, Grady Hendrix has been there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like in s- central Pennsylvania. Would you say, Tony? No, so, we're we're in eastern PA. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, central in the sense from north to south. You know. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. I don't like remember geography. Now come on. It's the (laughs) the Mahoning drive-in. It's MahoningDIT.com. You know, Joe Bob and Darcy are going to be there later this summer. Uh, Unfortunately, the movie uh, company's policies on you know one person buying all the tickets, then all the people you know who have to be in one car. They kind of nixed our plans for going because we were going to have it so that, you know, one person bought the tickets and then, you know, it's just easier that way. And to, to have them like have to park their car somewhere and hope it not, you know, doesn't get towed or ticketed. So we decided not to go, which is a shame. Uh, yeah, there's plenty of good shows they're going to be doing. Uh, tons of stuff that we usually would would check out. Zombie Fest. Yeah. Camp Blood. Yeah, uh, Zombie Fest is fun. The Halloween Fest is fun. Camp Blood, though, is always a blast because you've got a bunch of people cosplaying as Jason. And my favorite (laughs) one was the the guy who actually dressed up as Jason from the NES game. (laughs) And he was walking around with, like, a, a shadow box that just said, you and your friends are dead, game over. I got a picture with him. <laughs> you know, not to change the subject, but it just occurred to me that I really should have blackmailed you about the going to Maximum Overdrive. I really should have blackmailed you into watching Hatchet, finally. Son of a bitch. Dude, you haven't watched Hatchet? What the no. fuck? It, it's yeah, yeah, dogpile, dogpile, get him. It's become a, a joke. <laughs> Tony wants me to watch that movie so badly that I just refuse out of principle. I've watched every single one of them. Yeah. Hey, I've seen every single Hellraiser movie. I have too, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, a buddy of mine that I went to school with uh, talked me into watching them with him back when Netflix had like a party chat. Yeah, and uh, I still haven't forgiven him for it. <laughs> I uh, it was I think it was just last year I made the mistake of seeing that Lauren was doing it and thinking it was a good fucking idea, um, <laughs> and then being too stubborn to quit. <laughs> uh, it's like no, I'm on four now. <laughs> we're gonna keep going. And then you know what'd be cool about Pinhead is if he were in space. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking hate that movie. I do too. So Some of the sequels bad. after that, I would argue, are fucking better than yeah. Hellraiser 4. Um, yeah. I would agree. I would agree. Hellraiser 4 was 
I didn't watch any more Hellraiser after Hellraiser 4 for years and years. <laughs> like, no, nah, they're done. <laughs> yeah. I made the mistake. Go ahead, Todd. I, I just, I, I'm, I've seen all the Friday the 13th. I've seen all the Nightmare on Elm Streets. I've seen all yeah. the Halloween films. Mm-hmm. Even the shitty Rob Zombie ones. I have too, and fuck you, mm-hmm. they're great. <laughs> the thing the thing about Rob Zombie movies that I, I just can't stand and don't get me wrong, I love House of a Thousand Corpses. I fucking adore Devil's Rejects. That's his best movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. I even like Lords of Salem. I do too. Uh his Halloween movies were just like it was just like rape, the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like that's good. Yeah. And that a lot of his movies go there, and it's like you know I'm not I'm not saying shy away from the topic of rape, but Jesus fucking Christ, you know yeah. I get that it's an exploitive horror trope, but yeah, ugh, you know I don't I don't want to watch that. Yeah. Uh, which is why when uh, Tony when we were watching Joe Bob was it uh, last week week before Mother's uh, Day? Right, right. Yeah, that was tough. Yeah. Yeah, there was a I think in in his uh, you know, driving totals, it mentioned it and I was like, "Uh-oh." Yeah. Keep an eye out for when this is happening. Some of the some of these to- the totals he comes up with are rather shocking. You just like, "Wow, I never noticed that." Fuck. Yeah. And then for <laughs> for me, I go back and watch it again and count. Oh fuck! Jeez. I think he missed one. <laughs> Five breasts. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, um, is that going to be how how we end it? Me saying five breasts. Five breasts. Uh, <laughs> Actually, yeah. The name of the episode is Five Breasts and Pissing Off the Balcony with. <laughs> oh god pissing off the balcony is a good one <laughs> pissing off the balcony with anthony rapino and todd keesling <laughs> no you can leave my <laughs> todd wasn't here pissing off the balcony with anthony rapino and special guest host todd keesling At pissing on todd keesling with anthony. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Pissing uh, off the balcony with with uh, Anthony Rapino as Todd Kiesling holds his dick. <laughs> no, and that's uh, our that's show, everybody. Time. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my um, God. Seriously, though, if you guys have any uh, pertinent news that we haven't touched and you want to share, um, share away. Um, you first. Uh, you know, I, we we covered most of the. I guess this is like the uh, the point where you pimp yourself. Is that the? Uh... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess my newest release is the reprint of uh, soundtrack to the end of the world. So as Todd mentioned earlier, he wrote the forward for this. This one has a brand new cover. I really went through and like cleaned it up from its previous iteration. Uh, I think it's a, a great update from uh, the original. Uh, release so that's the the main thing and then of course uh greetings from moon hill is also still available sweet sweet and todd uh yeah i've got a uh 
it's kind of a busy year for releases for me. Um, my monochrome trilogy is, well, two thirds of my monochrome trilogy is being re-released. Uh, the first, uh, book, a life transparent came out in March, um, from bloodshot books. Uh, it's got a new afterward series. It's also been revised and expanded, uh, new scenes, new chapters, um, you know, there's th- stuff there for the OG monochrome fans and new fans alike. And the sequel, The Liminal Man, comes out June 1st. Uh, that is available for pre-order now. Uh, if on Kindle, paperback will follow uh, eventually. And um, the last, the last of the trilogy uh, released for the very first time after eight long years. Uh, it's finally going to see the light of day. It's called Non-Entity. It comes out in September. Um, and also, my novella, Scanlines, is oh, yeah. available for pre-order right now through Perpetual Motion Machine Publishing. Uh, it's also It's got an introduction from Max Booth III. Uh, it's got an afterword from me. And... Um, It'll also be available ebook, paperback. You can order on Amazon, but it would be really cool if you ordered it direct from the publisher. Uh, support them, always, you know, as much as you can. And uh, I gotta say, also there is a trigger warning on this book um, that I put there. Um, the book deals heavily with depictions and discussion of suicide. Uh, I don't shy away from it. I confront it head on and. That's kind of what the whole book's about. So if that bothers that. you, um, you might want to skip it. Yeah. Um, that that's good of you to do that because there are people like that. Um, I'm one. Yeah. And the cover itself kind of serves as a trigger warning and yeah. because it, you know. Yeah. Matt Revert created an image of a guy <laughs> shooting himself in the head. Uh. Which you know, I, I love the, uh, I love how subversive that is. Mm-hmm. And um, Reverse fucking awesome. Yeah, he did great work on it, and um, I you know, but I totally understand if people are put off by it. That's fine. Yeah. If that's the case, then the story is really not for them. I yeah. would ask them to read it. Right. Uh, and there, yeah, there's just some people things don't work for, and it's good that you recognize that and put that there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's like there was a movie I watched recently that just, just would have destroyed me, but I was warned about it where a woman was sitting in a chair and all of a sudden she just lifts a gun up and blows her brain oh. out. No fucking telegraphing. Um, it's like, no, for someone who's had trauma like that in the past, you just fuck them up for weeks, man. <laughs> you know? Maybe that's the title. Fucked up for weeks. With fucked the, up for weeks. You know, there you go. Uh, easily. <laughs> I like that one. I'm Fucked up for it. weeks. <laughs> Leave it to but, Todd. Uh, uh, we love you guys. Love you too, man. Uh, you know, I it's love great you. to be back on here. It's been too long. Yeah, it has been way too long. We'll fix that. Um, and I love your di- love your dynamic. Both of you are welcome back anytime because it's a fun it's a fun group. Yeah, I had a great time. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. How about the next time, anytime I'm on, Tony has to be here. Because if you leave it up to him, you'll never hear from him again. <laughs> <laughs> that works. Uh, yep, that works. I'll take that. 
not because not because he doesn't like you, but because he just doesn't want to go outside. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I trust me. I don't go outside even if that means sitting in my chair going to somebody else's podcast. So I understand. Yeah. Um, I've been to a few. I don't like the experience that much. It's just because I fucking power trip and I'm out of control in that situation. Someone tells someone tells me when it's time to end this shit, and I don't like that. No. <laughs> uh, seriously, you guys, we do love you. We will have yeah. you back. Uh, Tony, um, anytime we invite Todd back, he'll give you a call. Awesome. Um, <laughs> you are really, truly welcome awesome. anytime. Um, Thank you. I have a lot more Rich. fucked up shit we could talk about. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> oh, and my audio is going to shit now, so I will say uh love you guys. Everybody have a good night and um we'll talk to you as soon as possible. Cool. Good night everybody. See you guys. Good night, you guys. Thanks a lot. Thank Bye. you. Is somebody gonna hang the fucking thing? <laughs> <laughs>